Welcome to Autism One, a conversation of hope, brought to you by the Sensory Learning Center with host and mother of a recovering child with autism, Betsy Hicks. All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guests, and callers. In the next hour, Betsy and her guests illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here's your host, Betsy Hicks. Hello and welcome to Autism One, a conversation of hope. I am your host, Betsy Hicks, and I am joined here today with Dr. Lena Garcia, someone I've known for quite a few years and somebody who I have a tremendous amount of respect for. Dr. Garcia is a doctor of medicine dentistry. She has been on staff at St. Alexis Medical Center for the past eight years. She graduated from the University of Nova Friburgo Dental School in 1985 and did her residency at Sussie Hospital in Rio de Janeiro. She graduated from the Boston University Advanced Dental Program in 1991, and for the past 20 years, Dr. Garcia has been dedicated to the research and teaching of alternative solutions for conventional dentistry. Dr. Garcia is committed to treating her patients, both dentally and medically, focusing on the entire person, not just the teeth and gums. She uses no metals, including in bridge work and partial dentures, and of course, no mercury fillings as well as taking that whole approach to everything such as nutrition, and we're going to be talking about fluoride today, we're going to be talking about anesthesia, root canals, so many great things to talk about. Dr. Garcia, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure. You're so welcome. It's my pleasure. I, I, um, I have to first start talking about probably one of the biggest questions that I'm asked. A lot of people are already becoming aware of the danger of the amalgams and the use of mercury. Um, it is out, it's becoming more mainstream out in um, even dentists who do not claim as being holistic or alternative are starting to understand this. What do you feel is changing right now in, in the dental world towards the, the outlook of amalgams? Well, I think it should be by now something that as many countries around the world have realized that mercury is the most toxic metal known by men and should not, must not uh, be used in humans' mouth. Um, so I, I think it's um, a little, it's never late for the whole change, but I think it's a, a definite time that we are totally aware of it. It's been so many years. Um, right. It's actually the whole movement started uh, by a doctor in Brazil, uh, Dr. Olympio Faisal, which I worked with him 20 years ago. Wow. And he was the one that actually brought Hal Huggins and uh, made Hal Huggins aware of the dangers of mercury, which was not being used by him personally in Brazil uh, over 20 years ago. And so then he was the one to actually introduce Hal Huggins, which possibly was the founder of the mercury-free awareness okay. uh, in this country. And, and I know Dr. Boyd Haley has done a lot to bring this. Boyd Haley is, uh, yes, he's a, another one which I have had enough meetings with him. He's really a wonderful, uh, he's been a huge part of the whole movement. Uh, I don't know exactly when Boyd Haley came aboard with all of this, but he's been... Uh, many years working actually uh, possibly with Hal Huggins too. So the whole community has done a lot, and I think it's long enough. Yeah, and Dr. Haley's been so vocal about it in both Congress absolutely. as well. It's been yes. so helpful. The, yes. the use of amalgams is still being done. The mercury of, of fillings and such and the metal fillings are still being used. And... Um, you know, most dentists at this point are willing to not use them if their patients request a white composite filling. But there are still some because of cost reasons. Is that the main reason? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's you make a, a really precise point. I think the the biggest reason uh, which people are still using the uh, mercury amalgam fillings are mostly for cost reasons 
possibly HMOs and PPOs um, where the cost is much lower. That's where that part of the population is probably being uh, sacrificed. Right. Uh, so you probably see that in the in the cities. Um, I was just talking to someone, an assistant that was working by Rush Hospital here in Chicago, and the whole practice she was. Uh, it's still amalgam fillings. Right, right. So it's, it's really a cost uh, problem. And the ADA, of course, supports it all. And, and, and some old-fashioned dentists, it's still being taught in schools. It's part of your requirements to pass your boards that you know how to do a really good mercury filling. Yeah. Wow. So when people leave schools at this, still at this time, they are very comfortable doing mercury, and there is no controversy in the schools. Are, so are I the, think that's a problem. Are the schools even touching the fact of actual proper amalgam removal? Or? No, that, it, it's, that's an excellent point. I appreciate you bringing that up. Now, they only teach how to place them well. Wow. They do not um, teach at all how to remove them. Because if they were aware that they should be removed properly, they would never be put in the first place. You know, Dr. Garcia, years ago, um, I'm from the Bay Area of San Francisco, and years ago I remember reading an article um, saying that um, the San Francisco Bay was banning dentists from flushing amalgams down their drains because it was polluting the San Francisco Bay. Absolutely. So where is the logic in we can't flush them down our sinks, but we can chew on them every day? Absolutely. I, I, I just don't see, are they saying that it doesn't outgas mercury in the mouth, but it does when you have released it? I don't, I don't even yeah. understand their logic in that. It, it, absolutely. When you chew on the mercury fillings, when you brush your mercury fillings, when patients grind, uh, because that's... Um, Really, um, really good number of people that on top of grinding, uh, on top of chewing, on top of brushing, they grind on those fillings. Oh. And so you do have the, the, the mercury vapor that comes out. So if they're still teaching to put in the amalgams, are they teaching at all how to remove the amalgams? Yeah, that's a, that's a phenomenal question. Um, they, what they teach is how to place the amalgams uh, properly, but obviously uh, they don't teach students how to take them off. And if they knew they need to take them out properly, they would in the first place teach them how to place them in. Right. So they are, they are not uh, making the students aware at all of the toxicity at all. We could talk forever and about all of the supplements that are needed to support the detoxification system on and when you're actually doing amalgam removals. But there's so many other areas I want to talk about um, that I, we'll, we'll probably save that piece for next because a lot of what you do do, Dr. Garcia, is you really promote important nutrition with your patients. And, of course, with my background, there's nothing I could agree with more. Um, Let's start with, you know, there's the obvious. So the obvious piece is that sugar does cause um, decay, but there's a lot more to it than that. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, in our practice, we, uh, we do nutrition for our patients. Um, every time I take mercury out, it's not just about supplementing those people. And um, the first we do, in our practice, most of it, we do all the blood tests and then we do the metabolic typing. There are so many different ways to diagnose your patients and properly guide them nutritionally, but in our practice, it happens that the metabolic typing is one of the ways we use. And after we do, after we put them in a program where they are eating better, then it's much easier uh, to have them slowly but properly detoxifying. Yes. So 
So we are not just selling a bag full of supplements and saying, listen, we're going to take your mercury out, uh, amalgams out, and then just take those. Uh, we really, we wanted them to be in a lifestyle where the detoxification will be there uh, slowly but done properly. I have come across a lot of people that have done DMPS and some of the stronger, stronger uh, detoxifications, and they actually get very, very sick. Right. I would uh, agree. Because it's, it's done so fast. Right. That I had a case of a patient where she... Um, she had her mercury, and it was not a patient of mine, but in one of my uh, teachings, uh, I believe it was in California or Seattle, after she had all her mercury removed, she was she, she did, uh, I don't know how many DNPS injections, and uh, she got in a car accident, and her healing was so difficult because her bones were so deep. Oh, and the liver has to be at a, at a point of... Of you know near failure at that point when you're trying to tax so much. Absolutely, and and even you know after you know a lot of experience and a lot of years doing the MPS, people concluded that yes, they can give supplementations, they can give mineral supplementations, but it's not enough. Nature knows better how to do it. I and would agree. We're going to take a quick break right now, Dr. Garcia, and when we get back, um, let's talk a little bit more about food and, of course, the big question on many people's minds, fluoride. We'll be right back in just a moment with Dr. Alina Garcia. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. We had a wonderful experience in our trip to the Sensory Learning Institute and the main issue to sum everything up is that we went there with a child who was out of control and hyper who had severe sensory issues and autistic tendencies and we brought home a child who was vastly different. We brought home a child who plays with me and talks to me and looks in my eyes and tells me he loves me. The goal and focus of the Sensory Learning Program is to enable the central nervous system to better process sensory information by simultaneously stimulating visual, auditory, and vestibular systems with light, sound, and motion. By challenging these three sensory systems to work together and adapt to multi-sensory input, this intervention often improves speech, perception, understanding, social interaction, coordinated movement, and the ability to learn. We invite all parents interested in sensory learning program for a child to complete the confidential assessment on our website at www.sensorylearning.com. To create a kind and general world, a change in thought patterns and beliefs, individually and collectively, is needed. Join Suze Casey, developer of Belief Repattering, and her guest as they explore questions and conversations that push the boundaries and engage with you in the process of being who we really are and creating what we really want in our lives. What Do You Want Instead invites you to join the conversation every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. What Do You Want Instead supports you in honoring and accepting yourself and making the decisions that create the lifestyle you desire and deserve. Hi, this is Mark Victor Hansen. You know me for Chicken Soup of the Soul, the One Minute Millionaire, and Cracking the Millionaire Code. And what I want you to know is that if you want to have rip-roaringly good health, listen to Health Crusades by my friend John Farley. Tune in to Health Crusades with John Farley every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, only on Voice America Health & Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Betsy Hicks. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program, here's Betsy. Thank you. We're back here with Dr. Lena Garcia, and we're talking about all different alternative ways of dentistry, which really shouldn't be called alternative. They should be called Mainstream, but unfortunately, a lot of these ways aren't considered that as of yet. Uh, we're hoping to make it that point. We first talked a little bit about amalgams and the danger of the mercury and what's being done in dentistry towards that, and now we're going into talking a little bit more about food um, and how tremendously important a diet, your diet is to not only your general health but your um, your teeth. And your, the, the life of your gums and the life of your teeth as well. 
Um, I have learned a tremendous amount about things such as cereals and how tremendously bad those are. And so many people blame sugar, um, which is which is undoubtedly a horrible thing. But high fructose corn, corn syrup, all the Splendas, the NutraSweets, all of those are tremendously even more damaging to the, the teeth. Um, so my assumption, Dr. Garcia, is that you promote you know a, a chemical-free, natural is much natural sugars as possible if there's going to be sugars involved. Absolutely. Um, it's uh, interesting that my nutritionist, he, uh, before we actually do the questionnaire to uh, diagnose what type of metabolic typing patients are, he always asks me, what type is this patient? Because just by looking at their teeth and their gums, I can tell where they are. Yeah. and how depleted or well they're doing. I'm sure you uh, can. Just like because you say that you still look at the doctors, you look at our nails, you know, when we were younger. But you absolutely. get a much better idea through the teeth. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's incredible. When you look at their mouth, you can tell where they are health-wise, what yes. kind of foods that they eat. And uh, we really want to support people to eat as raw as they can, organic, of course, it's really number one uh, without all the pesticides and all the chemicals. Now with the uh, genetic modified foods that we don't even know, right? Our bodies don't recognize. What they are. They, it's not even written in the labels. So we don't even have the right as citizens in this country yet to make the choice to eat them or not eat them. And so, unfortunately, in 10 years from now, you will, will see a lot of the children come in with more health problems because we don't even know that they're eating the genetic modified foods that could be so, so really negative for their bodies. So we really want to emphasize that we read the labels. We have to read to know what we are putting in our bodies. We have to judge that. We have to be critical towards that. And we have to make choices that we know are going to help them, not just today, but in the next five years, in the next ten years. So diseases are very preventable. We have to prevent diseases. And the way we do it is the, the, the ways we have control. And eating properly, reading ingredients, and making sure, sure you buy organic as much as we can, eating yeah. raw foods as right. much as we can, will only make our teeth and gums and health way better because the mouth is a part of the whole body. But nevertheless, it's all connected. The same blood that goes through your teeth and your gums goes through your heart, goes through your feet. I mean, it's exactly the same blood that goes around. So we have to make sure that uh, we are aware of the, the choices we have and make those choices. You know, I, I, I've known Dr. Mercola for a number of years, and one of the things that I've always taken from him that he had told me many, many years ago, probably 10 years ago or so, was that we need to eat the way people ate 100 years ago. And Absolutely. if we really stick to that philosophy, um, as we'll do, uh, you know, anything that was created in the last 100 years, we really Absolutely. don't need in our diets. Yeah, we don't need foods that are in the shelf for six months or foods that have 20 ingredients. Right. That's right. Uh, if you really read ingredients. Know, it's amazing, isn't it? it it's, it's amazing. I mean, I, I we teach in Europe a couple of times a year, and I, I tell you, it, it is a very different mindset. Yeah. Europeans are very serious about the foods, and if you read the ingredients, the same, even if you were to eat... Um, uh, more conventional junk food, I would call, uh, like a cake or a cookie. Uh, in this country, in Europe, if you buy a cookie, yes, you do have the flour, the sugar, the eggs, uh, four or five ingredients the most. In this country, the same cookie will have 20 ingredients easily. Right? I, I think we do have a problem with that. I mean, we don't need to preserve. And that's why nowadays when people die, they stay without, you know, Degrading so much it longer. Because, absolutely, because of the preservatives and all of that. So, of course, the can cancer rates and all of that are just increasing tremendously. So, I think in respect to our children and their future, we have to teach them how to read ingredients. And it has to start with us. Right. And that's a, a wonderful habit. And right. if you do that, 
obviously the health of your teeth and the gums are going to be in a different place, and you would probably won't need uh, to do what the fluorides and all of those things that are. Let's let's another whole story altogether. We need to hit the fluoride bees because I I'm banging my head against the wall trying to get dentists to leave me alone over my demand for no fluoride. <laughs> and and you know when it I, when it comes to your your basic six month checkups, I, I want to find a dentist in my area because it's hard to take the kids out of school and have to travel a long distance for them. So I want to find someone in my area. And before I call, I say, you know, well, do you do you use mercury amalgams? If they do, then forget it. I don't want to be a part of their practice. But if they don't, okay, that's great. What about what's your stance on fluoride? Well, we believe in 100%. Okay, I can respect that, but will you respect my belief that I do not believe in fluoride and are, am I going to be given lectures or a hard time because of it? That is something that you need to be asking your dentist when you're interviewing a dentist. Absolutely. You have to interview your practitioners. Yes. You have to interview your dentist. You have to interview your physicians, your therapists. You have to interview the stores you buy. I mean, you have to know what is your network. We're talking about networking here. And the network, the dentist is a huge part of your health network. And in that place, you interview them exactly as you said. Are you comfortable if I do not want my student to have a fluoride? And if they say, no, they're not comfortable, then you don't hire them. Right. Practitioners have to be hired. Patients have the right to hire the people that they feel comfortable that will help them and their children and their families to be more educated. And that's why it's so important. My patients, when they come to see me, and I have patients coming from Europe, I have patients coming from all over the country, and I, I, I totally agree with you. It's really hard to take children, and, and I do the same. I find my own practitioners... Uh, sometimes far away, and it's extremely inconvenient, but if you really think long-term, it might be worse to find people that will definitely help you a couple of times a year when you take your children to see them. We're talking about nutrition big time, and we're talking about helping the children to understand why they have to scrape their tongue, why do they need to floss, and why do they need to do things that, and why do they need to eat the way they need to eat? And I know it's for them because I know my son, uh, he's 14 years old, and, it's, uh, you know, he goes to friend's house, and we're the only ones that eat so different. Right. So it's a constant uh, reminder to the children and ourselves that we need a network to keep reminding us. Right. So, uh, again, you're absolutely right. You have to interview your practitioners, and you have to find the people that are going to help you. Yes, and sometimes that means that you're going to have to drive a little farther. But uh, in the end, it could be a, a, a very good help, not just for the adult patients, but for their children. That's right. It's, it's a long term we're looking at. Now, let's talk about fluoride because um, one time <laughs> I had a, 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 a dentist say to me, because I, I did get the, the lecture on the fluoride piece, and and she said, but we know it helps the teeth. And I said, you know what? I have bacteria in my gut, and if I drank bleach, that would probably kill it. But what would the bleach do to me? And my point was the fluoride to me was no different. Okay, maybe on the chance that it does help my teeth, why would I put a neurotoxin into my body um, when there are other ways to take care and care for my teeth? So... What? Tell me what's the latest research and what you're finding out about fluoride and the message that you want to get out there. We only have a couple minutes, so I, I want you to just touch on this now, and then we'll take a break, and then we'll come back and talk some more on the subject. You no, know, fluoride is a chemical toxin. It has been actually banished from a lot of countries in Europe, uh, Sweden, Norway, Denmark, Belgium. I mean, there are enough countries that have banished because they have concluded the toxicity uh, of fluoride, which is literally a chemical. Now, unfortunately, in this country, the goal is to fluoride, fluoridate uh, and poison every community uh, in, in our water supply. And I think 
this is a serious issue that has to be properly addressed so the public understands that, yes, we can have stronger teeth, we can have, have healthy teeth without getting toxic to a point where the, the cancer rate has increased approximately 20% in areas highly fluoridated. Mm. I think we have a serious problem. And, uh, again, it comes back to awareness. It comes back of making choices and helping our government many times to be aware of the dangers and, and not to just be led by pharmaceutical and governmental people that are only focused on profit and money. And uh, we really have to be aware, and the public has to be aware, there's enough research out there. If you just go in the website, if you just go to Marcala.com, our own website or any Google research or Yahoo or you will find enough research Nothing that I'm going to say here, it's new. It's just to remind people the need to be aware of our choices and the need to be aware that, yes, as you mentioned earlier, we can say no. And if the practitioner, the dentist, the hygienist is not aware of the dangers and uh, supports the use of fluoride, then we do not hire them. That's right. We're going to take another break right now, Dr. Garcia. When we get back, I want to talk a little bit more about fluoride and then also um, some other things such as toothpaste and flossing tips as well. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Dr. Lena Garcia. Learn more. Live better. Voice America Health & Wellness. We had a wonderful experience in our trip to the Sensory Learning Institute, and the main issue to sum everything up is that we went there with a child who was out of control and hyper, who had severe sensory issues and autistic tendencies, and we brought home a child who was vastly different. We brought home a child who plays with me and talks to me and looks in my eyes and tells me he loves me. The goal and focus of the sensory learning program is to enable the central nervous system to better process sensory information by simultaneously stimulating visual, auditory, and vestibular systems with light, sound, and motion. By challenging these three sensory systems to work together and adapt to multi-sensory input, this intervention often improves speech, perception, understanding, social interaction, coordinated movement, and the ability to learn. We invite all parents interested in sensory learning program for a child to complete the confidential assessment on our website at www.sensorylearning.com. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Betsy Hicks. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Betsy. We're back here with Dr. Lena Garcia talking about alternatives for our teeth and what really should be so many rules in in our dentistry and our nutrition and our lifestyles that uh, we have to take very seriously because it's not just our teeth. It's not just something that can be replaced. This is our ho- whole health in general, and our teeth relate so much to our general health. Dr. Garcia, we started talking about fluoride, and I would like to hit that in, again because this is something that a lot of people are struggling with. The reason I believe that the uneducated novice, as even myself, and as much as I know, even I feel very uneducated and a novice when I walk into the dentist's office and they say, but your teeth will never make it without the fluoride or it's essential to the health of your teeth. How could you turn this down, you know, as if, as if our teeth are sure to crumble off if we don't do the fluoride treatment. Does fluoride really do that much for our teeth? It's you know, I go back to nature. It's very important to go back to nature. The way the teeth were created, if you look at the anatomy of the teeth, the strength of the teeth, it's extremely, you almost get a little spiritual when you understand the beauty of how teeth were formed. So it, we don't need to push the strength of the teeth. What we need to do is to look at the whole body. Right. And if the teeth are not strong, it's because we're not feeding our bodies 
with enough good ingredients, with enough good nutrition that can supply the, the, the necessary nutrients that we obviously need. But teeth naturally are very, very strong. We don't actually, fluoride makes teeth weaker and brittle. The teeth gets brittle. It loses its powerful strength. It, it's actually brittle. If you would hit or if you would tap a, 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 a tooth that has been contaminated with fluoride, it doesn't have the same sound and the same strength. Actually, it's a weak. It's weaker. Okay, let, uh, here's a question for you. Now, my, my mom wasn't a terrible eater, but she wasn't as exceptionally as, as healthy as I am today. Okay, now, so my, my pregnancy, my, my gestation as a, as a child my, my, or um, as an infant and uh, growing up on a, a bottle-fed world, eating a diet for 30 years that was very comparable as far as health is concerned, and then, of course, my son has his diagnosis with autism. I learn about nutrition. My whole world changes. My son saves my life, basically, and, and I become this health um, advocate who is constantly doing what I can to eat organic, chemical-free, and very healthy. Now, my question is, my teeth were formed with little calcium, with little nutrition, and now at age of 40 are my teeth do I still have a chance now that I've reversed my ways to keep my teeth strong? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you can only by improving your diet and slowly helping the, the body to detox from toxicity that have been sitting in there since a very early age get better and better. But by using a chemical, to do that, it's just not going to help. Okay. Because the chemical that apparently could strengthen your teeth is going to debilitating. It's going to debilitate the rest of your body. That's why nowadays it's clear, and there are enough research to associate fluoride with osteosarcoma. It, this research just came out last week. And it's contradicting uh, another research by, done by um, a teacher at Harvard University. We have enough data that in order for you to get your teeth healthier at age 40, it does not imply that you have to sacrifice your body and your life to have them stronger. They can be strong by the good organic nutrients that you are putting into your body. You do not have to compromise your body so apparently the teeth get harder. It's, it's really an illusion to localize health through a chemical that compromises everything else. Right. I Does totally, that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. Let's talk about toothpaste because I, I make my own. I, I just use and I don't know if I'm doing the right thing, so this is a good good time for me to ask. But I just use um, baking soda, about three to four parts baking soda to one part salt, and then I'll sprinkle in maybe a couple drops of pure wintergreen oil or cinnamon oil, maybe add some glycerin to help um, make it a paste, but usually I just sprinkle it onto my toothbrush. Is that an okay thing to use? Um I I, something. Yes, I, I'm sure you can keep your teeth cleaned as far as you're on top of brushing with your uh, your own toothpaste, you're flossing, and you're using a tongue scraper. A okay. tongue scraper is a very important tool also to clean the tongue so they're over at night there is not, not much accumulation of food and and then the bacteria in the environment is uh, is not helpful uh, for healing because you, you have food and then obviously you have bacteria that takes advantage of that. So we want to definitely keep it very clean. And it's not a toothpaste that does it. What really, what really makes a good hygiene is the fact that you know how to brush, you know how to floss, and you know how to keep your tongue clean especially right before going to bed because you're going to be lying down 
for hopefully eight hours because that's another big issue. Sleeping is a very important thing. And if you are sleeping for eight hours, we want to make sure that the mouth is clean so the bacteria are not having a party like I tell my patients all night because there's sugars and, and, and food seeding in between the teeth or in the tongue or whatever. But the toothpaste... Um, I, I generally I recommend patients to do get toothpaste, uh, but toothpaste obviously in a health food store that has no fluoride and it's as basic as it can be. Right, right. So and, and there's, except there's for toothpaste from you know regular stores with uh, all sorts of chemicals in there, you might as well just use a toothbrush. Right. Because no. remember, your mucosa in the mouth absorbs just about anything that is in there. So whatever you brush your teeth with, whatever forms of fluoride, it's being absorbed in your whole body. Sure. That's why we use homeopathy and other forms of remedies under the tongue because it gets absorbed so well into the mucosa and it's highly vascular and, and so there's a lot of absorption. So you really want to make sure that you do not use anything that is a chemical with preservatives and chemicals and all of that. So I think your recipe would be much better than most, uh, would definitely be much better than, um, you know, toothpaste bought in in, in supermarkets. Well, it's ridiculous how much they charge for toothpaste. And I think about it and I think, you know, because when you look at these expensive toothpaste, especially, you know, first off, you want to get the sodium lauryl sulfates, you want to get all the, you know, a lot of the the, um, sweetener pieces aren't good for us as well. And then what you're basically left with is chalk. And you're thinking, I'm paying $3 for a tube of chalk? And I guess that's when I started to really realize how hard could it possibly make. And and um, you had made a good point, too, I, I, when I've heard one of your lectures about, especially with young children, to to wipe their teeth and, and, their, and their tongue with maybe a, a washcloth. Is that what you usually recommend? Yes, yeah. yeah, sometimes if... if you know, people have difficulties brushing. If you get a towel or a two-by-two gauze, and if you really clean behind the teeth where it's easier to for calculus and to accumulate, it, you'll be impressed how well it cleans. Even if you get a towel and you go around your teeth really good, right. you can go with your tongue in it and you can feel it so smooth. Yeah. And sometimes the toothbrush, if it's not cleaned properly, uh, it, it's a little hard for people to really clean, um, to really clean. So uh, a good a good hygiene takes a couple minutes. It's just not something that, you know, you can get done in half a minute. Uh, obviously, with experience, I'm sure a couple of minutes is, uh, is plenty to floss. But the flossing is another major part of your hygiene. If you don't go with the floss in between the teeth, you're going to have those interproximal decay where you don't see clinically, you only see on the x-ray. Right. Okay. So it is very important. We need need to take another break now. When we get back, let's talk about two two areas of concern. Um, One is sensitive teeth, people who who have uh, real sensitivity to colds and such. and the other one is root canal. So when we get back, we're going to conclude with Dr. Alina Garcia. Don't go away. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. We had a wonderful experience in our trip to the Sensory Learning Institute. And the main issue, to sum everything up, is that we went there with a child who was out of control and hyper, who had severe sensory issues and autistic tendencies. And we brought home a child who was vastly different. We brought home a child who plays with me and talks to me and looks in my eyes and tells me he loves me. The goal and focus of the Sensory Learning Program is to enable the central nervous system to better process sensory information by simultaneously stimulating visual, auditory, and vestibular systems with light, sound, and motion. By challenging these three sensory systems to work together and adapt to multi-sensory input, this intervention often improves speech, perception, understanding, social interaction, coordinated movement, and the ability to learn. We invite all parents interested in sensory learning program for a child to complete the confidential assessment on our website at www.sensorylearning.com. 
The pressures to be thin or ideal go beyond the Hollywood headlines. In fact, those suffering from eating disorders in the U.S. number in the millions, and eating disorders such as anorexia nervosa, bulimia nervosa, and binge eating are more common than Alzheimer's disease. Eating disorders affect men, women, adolescents, as well as young children. On Understanding Eating Disorders, Dr. Tom Scales, an internist and psychiatrist, uncovers the causes and characteristics of various eating disorders and shares his expertise on current treatment approaches. Expert guests and personal stories from some who have recovered reveal the depth of emotional conflicts of these dangerously obsessive conditions and the resolutions that work. Tune in to Understanding Eating Disorders with Dr. Tom Scales every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Understanding Eating Disorders, the cycle of eating disorders, can be broken. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Betsy Hicks. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Betsy. Welcome back. This has been a wonderful show. We've been talking with Dr. Lena Garcia about everything from nutrition to care of our teeth. And um, we've gone through amalgams, fluoride, nutrition. Um, one area I really would like to talk about is why so many people have cold sensitivities to their teeth, not necessarily a tooth, which we know could be a problem, but just to their teeth in general. What What is that ca- cause from? Uh, sensitivity. We have to differentiate between... Uh, sensitivity. I think your concern was mostly to cold sensitivity. Was yes. that? Yeah, I, I, I talk to a lot of people who tell me that, that the cold, anything from cold water to ice cream they can't do or sorbets or anything such as that because it's just their teeth bother them when, when they get cold. Yeah, the, the cold sensitivity, it's, it's uh, uh, probably a very uh, uh, distinguished symptom where it, it's not truly a problem. You can have cold sensitivity in a virgin tooth that has no problems at all. But the tendency there to have increased cold sensitivity is when people have recession, mm-hmm. like if they're grinding or clenching their teeth, if there's crowding of teeth and the roots tend to move out of the, the bone socket, then you're going to have more Exposure to the part of the tooth that's more—it's—it's it's, it's more a temperature sensitive. Okay, so if if uh, my daughter, for example, when she has anything, has a cold glass of anything, her she says her front teeth really tingle. Is there anything you can do to uh, coating-wise or to better care of the teeth to help that sensitive that that sensitivity? Yeah, it, it is a, it's really a, a good thing to learn how to brush because sometimes when people are a little rough, when they brush, or even a, a new toothbrush mm. can do that. If you get a new toothbrush where the bristles are really sharp and uh, really uh, strong and you go the same way you do with your month-old toothbrush, it will cause more sensitivity. Sure, that makes a lot of sense. So okay. you really have to make sure you're brushing from the top, from the gum down into the tooth because then you're stimulating that gum to be protecting that root part where usually there is sensitivity. Now, uh, in women, uh, right before their periods, it's another time with the change in hormones, they get more sensitive. Mm. So that's where... Uh, again, already bringing root canals issues here yes. is when women get a lot of root canals that are unnecessary. Tell me because about root canals. They will complain uh, more in their uh, uh, in their uh, cycles before their periods, and then dentists will say, "Oh, if you're having sensitivity, there's nothing we can do." But if we do a root canal, which means if we kill the nerve, then there is no longer sensitivity. Now, this is totally not necessary. We don't need to have a 
a dead organ in the body, a dead tooth, because the tooth was sensitive, because there are parts in the body when you have your periods that, yes, women get much more sensitive emotionally and uh, all sorts of different things. And we have to learn to be aware that those are faces and better we brush and we even, you can even massage your, your gums and, 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 and see if there's grinding there. So there's a lot you can learn about your own mouth that can diminish that sensitivity but also uh, avoid any, any um, solutions there or, or any treatments that are unnecessary. Very important to know. Let's talk about anesthesia a bit because so many of our children um, on the spectrum, years ago I met you, Dr. Garcia, because my son needed some dental work and at the time he was extremely severe um, and you were very kind and we, we put him under stat anesthesia to help you work, be able to work on his teeth. Of course, during that time I, I trimmed his nails and I, <laughs> I combed, I cut his hair and did everything I could because yeah. it was such a nice, yeah. calm, quiet time for him. But yeah. um, I mean, what, what are some of the ways you do recommend for a child that is really averse to laying and opening up their mouth? In, uh, in my practice, um, we really try to get them used to the office and, and have the parents there. And I do not have any guests or anything in my everyday practice. Uh, so we do a lot of very relaxing music, and we really develop the children's trust uh, in adults, and we use um, also for local anesthesia only the one the ones that do not have any epinephrine. Right. But in case of having a child that won't cooperate for different reasons, age, sometimes you might have a two-year-old that um, it's not ready yet to open their mouth or uh, some of our autistic children uh, that needs more than just a lot of conversation and a lot of love and, and, and care, we might need to uh, give some IV sedation, and that's exactly what we did back then. Right. And, and sometimes we well, need to do well. that. That's right. why it's highly recommended to follow up with those children from a very early age because sometimes what happens, it is so difficult for parents to put their network together and to, uh, and it's almost like the dental comes a little later and, and sometimes uh, once they diagnose, it, it, it could be a little late where those children already have enough decay. So very early we have to attend to them uh, when there are, as soon as the, the teeth comes in, we have to keep looking and we have to make sure that um, during the night they're not being fed anything with sugars. So we have to, to, to guide the parents to really minimize. Uh, I just had a case in my office this week where this child has a very rare uh, syndrome and, and the, the physician in order to keep the child sleeping all night, gave the solution with sugars and all oh, sorts of no. things, and the, the child's teeth are totally dissolving. Oh. And it was very, very difficult for me and, 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 and our nutritionist to, to see the damage that uh, that physician has. You know, his solution has really been extremely damaged to the child's teeth. Now, Yes, the child is sleeping a little better, not that much, but a little better because it's sucking on the sugar. But on the other hand, we have a serious problem now. So, again, it comes back to making choices that are not going to have radical uh, side effects. Oh, and, and so that's why, again, we need to, to, to really get our, uh, our practitioners and our network of people that will help us to look at the body as a whole. Yes not just as a part. Yes. Putting the child to sleep is just a part of the whole. We have to see the whole. 
and find solutions for the child that would not compromise her teeth the way they are compromised now because we have a serious, how are we going to do with this child now? She's only less than two years old. She's, uh, and, and now we have to sedate the child, which we really try to avoid, but as you know, personally in your own experience, sometimes it's necessary. Right. Right. You've just got to make good choices. So and, um, and try to prevent it from actually having to happen. In, in, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's always prevention. We always have to be on top of it. And, it, and if it happens that we don't have, you know, had had the, the right guidance, or then we have to use solutions in, in a case of dental work. Sometimes you're going to have to use some form of IV sedation and get the decay out because if that's not the case, you know that the nerve of those teeth are going to die. Right. And if they die, we go into a realm of root canals right. and toxicity from dead teeth. And that's another very serious situation in there where as much as we want to avoid extracting teeth because teeth are very, very important the side effect of having that teeth in the mouth and infections in the mouth could be a life-threatening situation there in a short term and above it all in a long term. Thank you, Dr. Garcia. We, we are done with our show today, and you have been tremendous information. I know that we're going to be looking forward to hearing you as, if we can possibly in future, future shows as well as on Autism One. I want to thank you so much. To get a hold of Dr. Garcia um, and her office, please visit the wonderful website of Mercola.com, M-E-R-C-O-L-A.com. Dr. Garcia is in a a suburb of Chicago called Schaumburg, Illinois. Um, You are bringing such wonderful advice to so many people as well as children, and I want to thank you for your dedication. And I want to thank you also for your wonderful questions and the way you're helping so many people to be educated and to make better choices. I really appreciate your help. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you, Dr. Garcia. Everybody, don't forget Autism, U.S. Autism and Asperger's Association, Park City, Utah, August 9th through 12th. Don't miss it. It's going to be an amazing conference. We'll talk to you in a week. Thanks for joining us today. Bye-bye. The Sensory Learning Center would like to thank you for listening to Autism One, a conversation of hope. To contact Betsy or get more information, visit autismone.org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, a conversation of hope with Betsy Hicks.